We are back. Welcome into the Super Will Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Will, joined by my co-host, Tyler. Tyler, how are you doing today? We had a little little rebrand. I know the people have, uh, have missed us. We're already an hour late, too, so we're off to a great start, but how are you doing? Uh, great. You know, I'm just happy to be back. Like you said, great start. I also didn't know when I should jump in, so I already, already uh, messed that one up, too, but, you know, just happy to talk about sports. Knocking, knocking off the cobwebs. Yeah, basically, so this show is going to be very similar to the show that we did last football season. Um, it'll just be me and Tyler for right now, but we're going to have kind of a round table of guests. It'll, depending on what we're talking about for the week, pop in and, and give some some valuable insight, try and get some actual people from uh, college football media to hop in here too. Um, and then the show will have a Bama lean to it, obviously, as two Bama grads. Woohoo. We're going to talk a lot about Alabama and the SEC, but I also – I can't speak for Tyler, but I know myself – I'm trying to become less of a, not less of a Bama fan, but kind of just more of a college football fan as a whole. Obviously, I mean, I've got like a Penn State sweatshirt on, but um, I think when it boils down to it, I just, I'm a college football fan who also just happens to like Alabama and Penn State. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm like, I've always been more of an NFL guy. I've been getting more into like just general college football throughout the years as well just growing up in an area where there was no college football. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm rocking my uh, my Bama player jersey. Jersey this week's Calvin Ridley. I'm going to have a different one most weeks until I run out. So, But, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited. So what do you want to talk about first? Um, I think the best thing we can do is kind of get the serious stuff out of the way. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we're in a, kind of a weird period, too, where there's not too much information. Um, you've got the season, I think, 40 days away uh who's counting me i'm counting uh so the season's still a little bit bit of a ways away and we we're actually planning on starting the podcast in august but i figured it'd be better to kind of just recap like this show we're going to recap uh, some of the bigger stories and kind of talk about things to watch for the upcoming season but we're going to start with uh, pat fitzgerald i'm sure a lot of you are familiar with the uh, northwestern situations going on uh, Northwestern fired Pat Fitzgerald days after detailed service uh, surfaced alleging graphic instances of hazing within the program. Uh, initially, he was going to be suspended without pay for a couple weeks. And then the uh, school newspaper took the story and kind of um, rolled it out more for, for the public. And there were a lot of things in there that uh, were just flat out disturbing. Uh, so two former players provided details of the hazing, um, which a lot of it was uh, sexual nature. It's hard to talk about this because it's just so kind of crazy to me that, that we're even having to talk about it. Uh, basically, though, if a player was selected for running, they would be restrained by a group of eight to ten upperclassmen dressed in various purge-like masks who would then begin um, dry-humping the victim in a dark locker room. Just weird stuff like that. Um, I kind of... I'll start with you, Tyler, kind of gave your thoughts on it. I know I, I'm going to try not to go down the rabbit hole of hazing in general when it uh, comes to, you know, fraternities and just locker rooms, but I just wanted to get your uh, thoughts on it before I went off the deep end. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think it's one super weird and two just like kind of completely unacceptable for, especially, you know, these guys are college students, 
playing football at a pretty high level, like that's something that, you know, like the, the teams are going to have light hazing. I know that might be like a little controversial to say, but like high school, you know, you're going to, but like nothing, I, I don't know. I want to like watch my words cause I'm not advocating for anything serious at all. Like, Oh, you know, making up a, a nickname for someone or something like that. Or like being like, Oh dude, why'd you have to make us run? But like cornering someone in a dark locker room and then like, doing all types of perverted, like messed up stuff. It's just, it's strange. And it's also kind of interesting to me that it stuff like that stays hidden for so long. I mean, it, like it, it took a lot of guts for the two players to come out, even though, you know, I think they're anonymous right now to come out and say something. And also I, I do want to say real quick, uh, I think it took a lot of guts for the students at the student newspaper to run with that story because I mean, there's one thing that like colleges cherish more than anything in a lot of places, and it's their football team, right? So like publishing anything that's going to severely, you know, harm the football team like that, I feel like they're going to get a lot of flack from, uh, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of like alumni or like older fans, I, I would like to hope that at least like the college age students there understand why it's important to publish this, but Still, that's something that you're going to get a lot of flack for, the person that like published that article and the newspaper as a whole. So like, props to them for having the guts to run with the story. Yeah, I agree with you. It takes a lot of, uh, a lot of guts to you know, decide when you hear something like that and you get that kind of information to make the decision to go public with the information. Because like you stated, um, a lot of boosters and, and uh, just various people that are close to the program would do probably anything in their power for that information to not get out. And so for that information yeah. to get out and then for the newspaper to take it a step further um, props, because I mean, I, I don't think uh, you can't uh, sweep that stuff under the rug. You know, it has to be brought up and uh, like you talked about light hazing is one thing, like, you know, making a guy carry your shoulder pads. We see that in the NFL or when they make the rookies pick up the tabs for yeah. or pick up the checks for the dinner. That's one thing. But I've never understood the crazy hazing, um, just really in general, not even just with sports. You know, when I hear stories, I mean, we both went to Alabama. It's a big fraternity school. I don't want to get too much into that, but just hazing with, with fraternities and sororities. And I think to a certain extent, it's I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. So um, I don't I don't really know. I guess I'm assuming we'll figure out more details uh, with it. But right now, that's kind of all the information that we have about it. And just reading about the quotes from the players just seems like it's made up because it's it's hard to imagine and envision any program doing that. But I do think it kind of raises the question. I'm sure that – I mean, let's just call a space day. Northwestern isn't a great football school. They're not one of the bigger football schools. So it makes me wonder, are some of the bigger schools, is the hazing worse or could it go – you know, the other way where, hey, these players are playing at Alabama, Georgia, uh, Miami, you know, some of these other schools that are in the conversation for, you know, being being high in the rank, college football rankings or even in the playoffs. Do they take it more seriously and is it not an issue there? That's kind of the question that, that came to my mind is, are there other schools that are going to get in trouble or is this kind of just uh, a Northwestern thing? Yeah, and I, I'd like to imagine when you say that, that, the more like football oriented schools 
like your Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State. I think that my, my immediate reaction was that they would take it more seriously. That you know, it, it's almost like a business at that point. I mean, you go to you go to Ohio State, you go to Alabama, you go to Georgia, any of those schools. I don't know why I keep listing them all. You get the point. But yeah, I said I teams. said Miami, and I was like, wait, that isn't really. Yeah, they're not in the. They're. I'm a little early on the on the Miami being the playoffs. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, my point is that you go to them with the expectation that it'll help further you and like eventually end up in the pros. So I think that they take it seriously and they kind of have to take it seriously to maintain that reputation as like a school that will help you get to the next level. And also like, I know Nick Saban, for example, is not going to let that go on in his locker room. I mean, who knows? Knock on wood. Maybe, maybe there's crazy hazing scandals from Alabama that are going to come out. But in my opinion, I don't think any of the big name coaches like that would let anything happen. And I know that Pat Fitzgerald is a big name in like Northwestern history, but he's not, you know, he's not like that top echelon like coach, right? So yeah, and that kind of transitions into our next point. So obviously, Pat Fitzgerald's out. There's been a lot of rumblings, rumors, whatever you want to call it, about who's going to fill his place. I know Coach Ordron, Coach O's been out out of the uh, coaching for what seems probably like two or three years, maybe longer than that. Uh, obviously, kind of rode off into the sunset after that perfect year with, with LSU uh, in 2019. Or you would think he would have, but the next year they were awful and they ended up firing him. He said that he would be interested um, in the position – if they were to approach him about it. And then also I saw Tommy Reese has kind of been a name to, that's been thrown around. We'll start with, with Coach O and then kind of move on to, to Reese. What do you think about Coach O potentially coaching Northwestern? I think he's a like kind of high floor, low ceiling guy. And which is, okay, I know that's kind of stupid to say. He <laughs> literally won a national championship, which is like with a really talented roster of players. Right, right. I don't not think that was coach. I think a lot of coaches would have won the championship that year with that LSU roster and like, you know, like Joe Brady calling the offense and uh, Joe Burrow and like all them. And I think that he's a decent coach though. And if you're trying to like rebuild a, you know, a respectable football program, he is pretty well respected as a coach. He just wasn't getting it done at the LSU standard, but I don't think the Northwestern standard is the same as the LSU standard. And so I think he would be a fine coach. I think he's one of those hires that you go where he's kind of boring in a way, but boring is what you need after a big scandal like this, right? Like you just want a little bit of stability. And then like, to be honest, it's not like Northwestern is really competing for natties every year anyway. Didn't they play in the big 10 championship like two years ago? Or was that? It was, it was a it was a little bit longer than two years ago, but yeah, they did fairly recently. But yeah, like so they had a they had a couple like good competitive years, but even then, that's like playing in the opposite bracket of the Big Ten as Ohio State and Michigan. So yeah, and I I think that Coach O is just almost too big of a name for them. I mean, I don't. It doesn't make much sense for him to come in and and be the coach when they don't have a lot of talent on the roster. I mean, he's used to being at programs. USC, he was interim coach there. Obviously, 2019 LSU, that roster was loaded with talent. So unless he's really just in some dire need for some money or something, 
because they would throw the bag at him. Uh, I don't really see that making much sense. And then with Tommy Reese, he this is a guy who's been a GA at Northwestern, so you do have a little bit of, of history with him there. But I'm sure that he's excited about the opportunity that he has in front of him at Alabama yeah. with the, all the talent that we have here. I mean, it would kind of just be – other than becoming a head coach, which is something that all coaches aspire to be of a program. And that's as bad as they've been. Northwestern is still a, a power five program in a, in the big 10 conference. I don't think he would want to take that job because he was just at Notre Dame as their quarterbacks coach. He's kind of leveling up trajectory wise, becoming the OC at Alabama so, I mean, also the season's right around the corner, too. So that would be yeah. for a young, inexperienced coach like him uh, to go to a program and basically be thrown into fire. I think that would be – honestly, I could, I would think that Coach O would be more likely to be there than, than Tommy Reese would be just because whoever steps into that program is going to need to be a coach that's older that can take on the burden of the boosters and – all the stuff that comes along with with taking over for Fitzgerald and the dumpster fire they have going on there. Yeah, and like I don't know, I, I feel like Reese just seems like a name that it's like, oh, he's an Alabama coordinator that has some loose like ties. So that's why like, but I also think that he needs a couple years to kind of prove himself before he gets, you know, really considered for that head coaching role. I had that resume. Right. And like he was, you know, he's a good quarterbacks coach. But you look at like Notre Dame's offense the last couple of years, even not just last year alone, and they're kind of just okay. They never really like blew you away. And I know like their entire, their entire, you know, uh, what identity, gosh, that's the word, their entire identity, especially after hiring their new head coach who is their defensive coordinator is more of a defensive team. But I think that Tommy Reese is going to need a couple of years as a successful coordinator running an offense before he gets considered for the serious next level thing. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like Sark where I know Sark wasn't the same, right? Cause he already had a head coaching stint and, but he needed to spend a couple of years at Alabama to prove that he has what it takes to be a head coach. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Orgeron took over for Sark at USC. I, mean, I could have that completely. In my, maybe it was Kiffin or something. Maybe I'm getting my alternate universes, my different timelines mixed <laughs> up. But yeah, for, for sure. So that's definitely something to watch. Um, like I said, not much going on football-wise. So that was kind of like a nice little news dump that we got at the beginning this week. Uh, before we talk about... We're going to talk about the Heisman watch list and kind of which players we think are going to win and who could be overrated and underrated. We're going to throw in a little fun little segment here, just talk about some things going on. Tyler, did you see Jalen Daniels' $50,000 chain that he had at a Big 12 Media Days? I did not, and that's kind of ridiculous. Actually, there's a link in here. So yeah, yeah. See, I, I, I'm a good, good host. I threw in a little link for you just for reference. And it's basically an it, Apple Watch. Like yeah. A, an Apple so, Watch without the band on it and just a bunch of diamonds. Yeah, just completely bedazzled in diamonds. That's crazy to me. 
as well because like Jalen Daniels is a decent quarterback, but yeah, he was on I fire. I mean, I remember people were hyping up the Kansas versus Kansas State matchup last year because mm-hmm. they're both like six and zero, and it was like, oh my gosh, Kansas has a football team that can actually win a game, and uh, Daniels. I had a decent year last year. He's like 18 touchdowns and four picks before he had his shoulder injury cut a season short. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is, it is kind of ridiculous to see a quarterback who's not really a household name, just be strutting around with that. Hey, you got the NIL money. Now you can throw an Apple watch with diamonds on your necklace. Right. And, and that, uh, I guess that was my point was how much do you think he gets from NIL as a like mid tier quarterback? Because that, that is kind of crazy to think about. A couple Must of years ago, nice. that would have been a major recruiting violation. Like the, the NCAA would be all over that if they see a player wearing a. 50 yeah, those guys were wearing that in their in their apartments and dorms. They were wearing it in right. public at the at their conferences media days. I mean, you know, he earned it though, and he's playing at a college level pretty well. So oh yeah, for sure. Him. I don't have any issues with it. I mean, a lot of people. I have their their gripes about NIL, but the way I see it, I mean, if there's local businesses that are willing to give these players money, I mean, especially like Daniels, he probably won't be an NFL quarterback. So, I mean, while you might as well strike while the iron's hot and get as much money as you can in in these deals. So, I I mean, that's just the way I feel about it. That's the only thing that kind of worries me, just not from a college football standpoint at all, but for Jalen Daniels, I mean, you're making all this money from the NIL, but if you don't get drafted, you don't go on to have a pretty long NFL career. Blowing 50K on a chain is kind of – I want to say kind of irresponsible. I know it's just one purchase, right? But if someone is blowing 50K on a chain at like 19, 20 years old, however old he is, I, I don't think that's going to be the only crazy purchase. So – I, I'm just kind of worried that so the top, of the iceberg, right? Exactly, and and not just for Jalen Daniels, but for everyone that's making a bag off the NIL. You also need to be responsible with your money. I know Shaquille O'Neal is one of the most famous like examples of players that were successful with their money, invested a bunch, and now owns a bunch of business chains, has a bunch of business ventures. But early in his career too, he was blowing money like crazy and went broke for a while before he finally saw a financial advisor. So I'm happy that the kids are getting paid for their talent, but also you gotta be a little careful. Yeah. I think one thing that would help them out a lot, and maybe they already have this in place is kind of like you touched on with Shaquille O'Neal, just everybody, each one of these players having their own financial advisor telling them not just ways, just like how to save their money, but how to kind of diversify it all that stuff. We just went down a rabbit hole, but next Yeah, time, I know. This is the most, like, boomer. Yeah, money. yeah. You darn kids, stop spending your exactly. money Exactly, yeah. Must be nice to have 50000 and just throw on a chain. Heisman watch list. Heisman watch list. Caleb Williams. Still favored at plus 500, followed by Jaden Daniels, plus 1,000, Michael Penix Jr., plus 12, not 1,200, Quinn Ewers, 1,200. Jordan Travis, 1,600. I could keep going on the list, um, but I don't want to bore anybody. Do you want to say that both Bo Nix, J.J. McCarthy, and Drake May are all tied at uh, 
plus 1,800. It says plus 18,000 on there. That's wrong. Uh, plus 1,800, according to FanDuel. Who on this list intrigues you? Who's overrated, underrated, and who do we think will end up winning the award? Obviously, a lot of Pac-12 guys on here, which is the first thing that kind of stands out to me. I So going into this, I wanted to say Michael Penix is a dark horse, but he's not even really a dark horse just because he's, he's the third best. Oh, uh, you're going to love my answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably going to have him way overrated, I know. But I, I think that he runs a very successful offense, and the only question is if he can do it at the same level he did last year because not everyone – has that has their Joe Burrow season, I want to call it, where they're mediocre for their career and then have one really good season. Not everyone can carry that into the rest of their career. So if he keeps it at the same level, he's good. I think it's going to be kind of crazy sounding, but overrated, in my opinion, is Caleb Williams. Just because only one player ever has won two Heismans. So and I'm not quite sure that Caleb Williams, as good as he is, you know, oh, he's the next... So and so, he's it's the next next Pat Mahomes. He's the next whatever. None of yeah. them won the Heisman twice. So I I agree with you for Caleb's. Obviously, he'll probably have the same year he had last year, incredible year. But people are more drawn to you know you know the hot name on the on the list, the the name that you're not expecting. We all know what Caleb Williams is. We all know he's going to be the number one pick in next year's draft, barring anything you know crazy, and so. When I look at this list, you're kind of looking at, you know, a Jordan Travis at plus 1,600 or a, a, a Drake May or a Bo Nix. People want somebody new, and a lot of this is dependent on how the team will do. So with Drake May, obviously he's an incredible quarterback, but you don't know how great UNC is going to be this year. And I think the voters, I mean, this is not how it necessarily should be done, but if you're leading your team – to the playoffs or you're making a deep run and you're having a great year, you're more likely to win the Heisman. And so I think that eliminates a couple guys on here. Quinn Ewers, been a household name since he was at Ohio State. Texas will probably be pretty darn good this year, but I don't see them in the playoff conversation. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. I think is an interesting name to watch. Um, they're going to throw the hell out of the ball this year. So, you know, he's going to put up good stats. Um, but I think – if I had to pick two names on here of quarterbacks who I can see leading them teams, leading their teams to the playoffs, it's going to be Jaden Daniels and Bo Nix. And I know there's the meme of Bo Nix has really done it. This is the year he's grown. He's learned. We've all seen that meme and it always makes me laugh when I see it. But you look at a guy like Bo Nix last year, put up some really good stats. Uh, obviously, Oregon, like in standard fashion, like they do, found a way to lose a couple games, but his stats were really great. I think he excelled kind of in the change of scenery. Um, I think the pressure for him at Auburn was a little much, and he had some big plays there. He had some really bad plays there, but I think that change of scenery did him wonders last year, and he will kind of continue to build on that this year. And as the Oregon, Penn State, Alabama, blah, 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 fan everybody likes to say about me, I can kind of see Oregon taking control of that conference and and surprisingly kind of winning that conference over USC. Mm -hmm. Offensively, 
USC is going to be great with Caleb Williams. They got great receivers. So, you know, they're going to put up a lot of points, but I don't really see USC's defense. I mean, doing all that great. We know how Lincoln Riley defenses in general aren't the best. I mean, you got, he has the same defensive coordinator from Oklahoma. Not sure why he made that higher, but um, I, I think Bo Nix and Oregon, their offense will be great. Their defense will also be great. And I think, the recipe is there for him to win the Heisman because, you know, you got a French playoff team with the quarterback putting up numbers. And then Jaden Daniels, um, LSU is going to be very great this year. A lot of people think they kind of peaked last year and they're going to come back down to earth this year. But I see them kind of giving an Alabama a run for their money in the conference and I wouldn't be surprised if they were in the playoffs. The only thing with Jaden Daniels that makes me a little nervous is that I don't see them throwing the ball all that much. Um, like I see them running more with Daniels and then obviously the other running backs that they have. And I think Knicks is more likely to put up impressive, not only impressive um, – passing numbers, but also rushing numbers. And I think with Daniels, it'll be more just one-dimensional with the running aspect. Yeah. That was super long-winded. I kind of just – like, I don't feel like I'm always just going off on tangents and you're probably just like, is he ever going to stop talking? Nah. But nah, the, the Heisman that. stuff is always fascinating to me because it's not just, you know, straightforward. There's so many different right. things to go into a team. Team's performance, playoff expectations. And I think people – don't even consider that stuff. They just think, oh, Drake May's got these stats. He should win the Heisman. Well, no, it's not that simple, unfortunately. Yeah. And also, I do want to say about Caleb Williams, too, is that you said the offense is going to stay the same level as it did last year. And obviously, they had, they had a good record. They, But they had so many games where it just seemed like the offense was stagnant for three, three quarters, and then in the fourth quarter, they would come back and win by, like, four points i don't know i I watched a lot of jordan addison videos after after you know he got drafted by the minnesota vikings and in a lot of his games last year you look at the score and it would be you know them losing by seven ten points and then they would come back at the very end and i also remember some some of my friends and i do like a pick em pool and every single week I'd bet against USC because I was not a believer. And I'd be following the score the entire game and the ent- almost the entire game. I would look like I was a genius and then I would end up not being a genius. But I feel feel like there's got to be some regression on that as well. You can't win every close game every time. So I don't know yeah. how, how well their offense is going to do this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if the two players that I would pick, if I was a betting man, I would pick – Bo Nix and probably Michael Penix. Uh, like I said, Daniels, I think he'll have good numbers. I don't think his passing numbers will be good enough. I mean, because we know he's going to run the ball. We know he's a running quarterback. I mean, he beat Alabama by doing that. But um, I don't think he brings enough to the table with his arm uh, for the Heisman voters. But that's the beauty. I mean, there's names on this list, too, that could – come out of nowhere that I don't even have on our little Google Doc sheet. Like uh, from Penn, uh, Penn State, Drew Aller, let's say he comes in. But 
<laughs> yeah, no, no Penn State lane there. Just oh yeah. So you got the you got the Oregon quarterback. You got the Penn State quarterback. I really think if Jalen Milrow has a year, he might have a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Ty yeah. Simpson if he starts. Whoever it is. Yeah. No, but um, Heisman will be interesting, and those odds too have have really just kind of been all over the place, changing pretty much by the week. I mean, I checked this not too too long ago, probably about a month ago, and it was Caleb Williams, Penix, Knicks, May. They were all up there, and now it's Williams, Daniels, Penix, Ewers. So, I mean, it's it changes by the week. We're in the offseason. People are changing their minds. And kind of before we move on, the only other name on here that kind of intrigues me is Jordan Travis. A uh, lot of people are hyping up Florida State this year. I think they have one of the best receiving cores in the country, definitely one of the tallest. Um, and I think Jordan Travis could also be a guy that could I could see winning the Heisman. Uh, but what do you? How do you feel about Jordan Travis? I don't think he puts up crazy enough stats to win the Heisman. I mean, he plays well and they win the games, but he's a, yeah, he's efficient. He's very efficient. Right. I don't think he's going to give you like a 400-yard passing game with three touchdowns. And I'd love to be wrong because I think college football is better as a sport when we have Florida State, Miami. There's my second Miami reference for 30 minutes of the show. So there you go. Uh, USC, these schools that haven't really been all that great recently. I think I'd love to see this sport be more balanced. Hell, even Texas. Like I want I want these – these schools to to excel because we're so used to as college football fans seeing them be good so i don't i you know yeah i agree with you in the sense that his stats aren't going to be crazy but florida state as a team will probably be pretty solid this year and could win the acc that's exactly kind of how i feel good they're going to be a good team and he's going to have some good performances i mean they beat lsu right this last year was it they did Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a great game. That was like the first game of, of the college football season on Labor Day weekend. I was like, really set the tone for the season right here with this one. Yeah, and so Jordan Travis is going to have those performances, but I don't think, you know, I, I don't even think in that game where he played a great game. Yeah, crazy stuff. Yeah, he, he really didn't. Quarterback battles at the Blue Bloods. Say that four times fast. Oh, uh, <laughs> Obviously, Alabama is who we're going to start with because, well, we're biased, obviously, with yes. our school. But there's a bunch of schools on here that are intriguing to watch. Obviously, with Alabama, uh, you've got Jalen Milrow versus Tyler – or not Tyler Simpson. Why did I put Ty Simpson? Jalen Milrow versus Ty Simpson slash Tyler Buckner. Yeah. How do you so- feel I wanted to ask you before I give my yeah. opinion. I wanted to ask you: Do you think that Tyler Buckner actually has a legitimate ch- chance to win the starting spot, or do you think they just brought him in because he's familiar with what Tommy Reese wants to do, and they wanted another quarterback that could practice? That's a great question, and the answer is a little complicated, but also simple. I'm going to simplify. I think they brought him in because he's familiar with Tommy Reese's offense. And they're not sure about the other two guys. I think both Milrow and Simpson have shown that they can be the QB one for Alabama. But the question with them is, can they consistently 
make plays. They're both going to show flashes. I mean, we saw it in the A game, A day. You know, both of them are capable of making big plays, but you need a, a consistent quarterback. You don't need somebody who's just going to have an 80-yard run in the next drive, throw an interception or, or fumble the ball. And I think Buckner was brought in. I mean, I think it tells you all you need to know that they brought Buckner and neither one of those guys transferred. So if if Simpson and Milrow weren't confident that they were going to win the job, they would have left. They would have said, oh, they brought in Buckner. He's going to be the guy for Reese. But I think the fact that all three of them are there battling it out just means that it's really anyone's game. I'm still going to say that I think Milrow has the edge because he's got a little bit longer in the program. And I think he fits schematically what they're trying to do. Ty Simpson can run the ball, but I think Jalen Milrow is an absolute freak athlete. And if you're pairing him with, with McClellan and, and, you know, some of those freshman running backs that are talented and uh, Roy Dell Williams, I think their Alabama is going to run the hell out of the ball this year. And I think Milrow size wise is a guy that you're not worried about him getting hurt because he's just such a big dude and running is his strength. He does need to, throw the ball better. I mean, you can't just have him run the ball all the time. And so that's something that I think that's they're working on with him and they, they want to see improvement. But I think that's the only, I think if you can get a little bit, just a small improvement with him throwing the ball, it's enough for him to be your starting quarterback. See, I'm actually, I'm, I'm going to go opposite. I, I, I like it. It needs on, some disagreement. Yeah. Based on what I saw, and I know it's just one scrimmage, you can't take anything away from it, but also based on what I saw last year, right? And again, players develop. Last year isn't the best kind of measuring stick, but through everything I've seen so far in the the summer, I think that Ty Simpson looked better throwing to the number twos than Jalen Noro did to the number ones. It's just... Being a great athlete, and he's an incredible athlete, being a great athlete is good till you get to a certain level. But, you know, we, we had that problem 2017, for example, with Jalen Hurts in the national championship, where he just wasn't a good enough thrower to get past the defense that can stop the run. As soon as you meet a stout run defense, you're in trouble if your quarterback can't throw the ball. And, again, I'm not an insider. I haven't seen Jalen Milrow practice. I only saw the one scrimmage. But That's a clear clip of him throwing the ball. Yeah, but even just in that one scrimmage, like I said, he had the number one receivers playing with him, and he just had – it looked like they had very little chemistry. It looked like he's had struggles on the basic throws. He has an absolute cannon. He could hit the deep throws, but he would just sail everything that was – close or required any type of touch. So I, I think that Ty Simpson has – I have more confidence in him. I don't know if Nick Saban's going to feel the same way. He obviously has historically shown he values experience. Very hesitant. I mean, freshmen do play at Bama, but they have to earn it, and he's more hesitant to play. I know that Ty Simpson's not a freshman. But also from a final note, kind of on a more selfish level, uh, if Ty Simpson wins the job this year, we have continuity for at least one more year as a quarterback. But if Jalen Milrow wins the job, has a crazy good year, that'd be good for us. But also, he might be gone for the draft. So, yeah, and I think with this team this year, 
the biggest question, the only question marks I have are quarterback, which is obviously a large question mark, and then receiver. But I think this team has a chance to be one of the better Alabama teams we've had. Just, I mean, from a deep standpoint, they have three of the, I think it's three of the top 10 recruiting classes of all time, all time, not just Alabama, are are on on this roster this year and walking around that campus as we speak. So I, you look at the, their secondary, you know, you've got Caleb Downs, you've got Kool-Aid McKinstry, who's going to be a top 10 pick. Even though you lose Will Anderson, you still have Dallas Turner and literally half a dozen other five stars on that defensive line. So I think the offensive line too will be better. Running back group is deep. So kind of like I said earlier, if you can just get – Average quarterback play from one of these guys. I don't care who it is. I really don't. I don't care if it's Simpson, if it's Miller, if it's Buckner. They just need somebody who's going to not make a lot of mistakes and and makes you know plays here and then. Couldn't just be a be a team player. Really, I don't. They don't need a Bryce Young. They would like to have a Bryce Young type season from one of these quarterbacks or a Mac Jones or a or a Tua or a Jalen Hurts. But I don't think you need that from this team. I think this team is going to be a lot more balanced. We're going to kind of get back to that Bama standard. You're not going to have guys making bonehead penalties um, and and scheme errors, guys out of position. I think this Alabama team is going to be a vintage Nick Saban team. So they just need a quarterback who can, who can be a game manager and, and, you know, make the occasional big play when needed, which is easier said than done, but well, also you said they don't need to have a Bryce Young year, but we, you know, knock on wood, might have our, our next Bryce Young type player coming in next year. And Julian saying just won the Elite 11 competition. And I think some of the ranking service, like ranking services, I don't know how else to say that, but they, <laughs> I don't know what they're called. You know what I mean? The databases, Those guys that do the damn like, rankings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the dang rankers. Um, they, I know some of them have pushed him to like QB one in the recruiting class, and he looks really good. So, fallout spells, maybe freshman Julian saying is the answer. But I, I do want to say real quick too. Don't want to go too far on an Alabama tangent. But you said that quarterback and receivers are your two big question marks, and I'll I'll do you one further. I think that coordinators. Of anything, coordinators are my number one question mark. I think that a good coordinator can hide a bad quarterback, and that's been shown, you know, time and time again with all all first round quarterbacks that get drafted and then end up not panning out. And it's just oh, it's because they had a really good scheme. So in college football, a good coordinator can can hide the deficiencies of their team, and then on defense. Hopefully, you know, Kevin Steele, awesome name, by the way. That's like an action hero name. Uh, he, Kevin Steele. Right, exactly. He hopefully comes in and at least can make an adjustment to maybe after like the third touchdown, understand that DeMarco Helm shouldn't be covering, you know, fast receivers one-on-one. So I think that's the two yeah. biggest things. I, I mean, listen, I, I defended Pete all year, and I still will stand by he's, I think, a little bit better than people gave him credit for but he did struggle at times. There are certain games where there was pretty obvious from my couch coordinator position that I happily employed. Yeah, pretty you're obvious. sitting there with a beer and some chips. And you're like, yeah, like, do it. 
Yeah, like, oh, the quarterback throws an interception. Look at this idiot. You got your <laughs> mouth full of nachos. Right, like, I could have, I could have, I wouldn't have thrown that. But uh, for my couch coordinator position, there was a couple of really obvious adjustments that he should have made last year that he just didn't. And so hopefully we'll get back to the more physical, kind of stout Alabama defenses of the past. For sure. And kind of moving on, I mean, oh, really, you look at this list, you just talk about Alabama. You've got Georgia, and you have Ohio State, three teams that, I mean, you had Alabama. We talked about all the quarterbacks, the quarterback run they've had. Georgia had, like, 18 years with Stetson Bennett. Ohio State had uh, Justin Fields and and uh, Dwayne Haskins. This year is kind of unprecedented in the sense that a lot of these big-name schools have big question marks at the quarterback position. Uh, right. Georgia – Carson Beck and Brock Vandergriff, that's kind of where the competition is with them. I mean, I, presumably Carson Beck is going to be the starting quarterback for them, but also Vandergriff is a highly touted five-star guy. Um, so I think they're kind of in the same position that we are. Obviously, coming off two back-to-back national championships must be nice, and so they're kind of just sitting over there whistling in Athens, uh, looking at the five-star quarterbacks they've got behind them after a walk-on just won them two national championships but right. still they, they I mean they don't really know what to expect um it doesn't matter that Stetson was a walk-on and these guys are five stars because as much as I hate to say it part of the reason that made Stetson Bennett so great is kind of what we were talking about what we wanted to see from the Alabama quarterbacks just a guy that's going to consistently not turn the ball over he's not going to do too much but you know when you need to make a play I mean Stetson Bennett would rip off a little 15 yard run. Yeah. And so, I mean, nobody expected anything from him. Um, sometimes these guys that are the highly touted dudes that you expect to, you know, throw the ball 70 yards are the ones that make the crucial mistakes in a, in a big game. So, um, Georgia, with one of these guys, I'm sure will still be a really good program. And then Ohio State, really, really tough to, uh, replace C.J. Stroud. Uh, he, I don't think, got enough credit at Ohio State. I mean, this year they basically took Georgia to the wire, lost the game on a field goal. He had a really good game. Yeah. And a lot of people yeah. counted them out in that game too. Yeah, if JSN stayed healthy too, I think they win that game. So. Yeah. Or, JSN, sorry, Marvin. Was it? Sorry, was it Mar- Marvin, Marvin Harrison? Harrison? Yeah. I mean, if JSN yeah, right. had played in that game, yeah, exactly. they probably would have won that game. But um, so Kyle McCord, Devin Brown. I think right now it's McCord's job, but Devin Brown's talented. Basically, I mean, we don't have to really dive too much into this other than the fact that kind of what I said earlier, you have big name blue blood programs trying to figure out who their quarterback's going to be. And I'm sure that these coaches like Saban, Smart, and Ryan Day are losing a lot of sleep over this uh, type of thing. And then Texas – I think a lot is being made with them with Quinn Edwards versus Arch Manning. I don't think Arch Manning will get on the field this year, but if Ewer struggles or if he gets injured again like he did last year, uh, those fans are going to be wanting to see Arch Manning because right. they know how great he is. And then I didn't put this on here, but Tennessee kind of in a similar situation as Texas, really the exact same situation with Joe Milton uh, being the guy for them arm question or arm 
strength is not a question for, for him, but you really don't know other than a couple of like a handful of games last year, if he can be a great quarterback throughout the season and Archman or not Archman, I'm just mixing teams right now. Uh, Nico last name I can't pronounce <laughs> is waiting right there in the wings too. Yeah. So I, I guess I just real quick want to give my thoughts on these schools. Just be real quick. But sorry George, if I'm talking too. Much. I feel oh, like I'm no, just like no. talking, talking, talking. <laughs> like Tyler, no, I'm you're, just you're I'm pumped up. I haven't talked football in a while. So yeah, exactly. Get it get it all out. We still have 40 <laughs> days, but uh, Georgia and Ohio State, I think, are both in a little bit of a better position than Alabama when it comes to their relative unknowns at the quarterback position, just because Georgia. I mean, you could win a game with me at quarterback at Georgia, right? I mean, they're just so physical, so talented. Their defense against the the lesser teams is going to give up like three points a game. So I think that they're fine. They just need – I mean, Stetson Bennett was, was a little underrated, I think, towards the end, and I – yeah, I'll give him credit too because I, I want to – Now that he's gone, I can give him credit, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Complete hater. Um, he was a little underrated. He's a solid quarterback, but I think that any, you know, just bland, basic quarterback play is still going to be good enough to be a really good team at Georgia. And then I think that Ohio State has probably the best receiving core in the country. And so that's going to help out the quarterback quite a bit, whoever it ends up being. Versus at Alabama, it's kind of if the quarterback play is bad, I don't know if the rest of the team's going to be able to rally around against the, the more top teams. So. Yeah, and, last year it was the opposite with Alabama. How many times did Bryce Young bail us out? Right. And you, you're not going to have, presumably, I mean, you're not going to have any one of these quarterbacks on the roster I don't think is, is capable of doing that. So, sorry. I'm flipping through these. I've got to get these uh, – Tyler Transfer Portal Trivia is our next little segment here. I got to find the page on here where I'm, oh, I'm excited. really going to test you. So hopefully you haven't done your research. I know. It's no, hard. I have not looked up anything. I know exactly one player that you're probably going to ask. So. Oh, hot shot, hot shot. <laughs> uh, I will say while you're looking too about Texas. Yeah, I kind save, of agree save me that. right now. Yeah, no, I, I kind of agree that external pressure is going to be the biggest thing for them. I think that Quinn Ewers is going to be solid, and I like Quinn Ewers. I think he'll probably play his way into like late first round this year in the coming draft. But I do think that uh, Arch Manning is such a big household name that all the boosters, all the fans, second Quinn Ewers does bad, they're going to call for Arch Manning. But I think that Arch Manning, I forget who said the quote, but the best way I've heard Arch Manning described is that he's a five-star because he's Arch, but he's the number one player in the class because he's a Manning. He was, you know, he had some good games, but overall he was kind of, his last senior year in high school was kind of disappointing. And I think that people are expecting some Peyton Manning clone to come right out of the gate, and I don't think he's going to be that guy. But maybe, you know, maybe he is going to live up to the hype. All right. I can't find it right now. I don't know where it is, so I'm just going to go off the top of my head. All right. Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman. Oh, shoot. Uh, I have no clue. He was at Wake Forest, right? So 
<laughs> We're off to a great start. Right. Okay. Hit me with it. Ha, huh, I got it. Okay. Sam Hartman went from Wake Forest, Wake Forest to Notre Dame. To Notre Dame. Hmm. Interesting. He wanted to keep the same color scheme, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So you're 0 for 1 right now. No, I'm going to be like 0 for 75. So. Devin Leary was at NC State. Where is he now? I don't know. I want to say like he's also going to keep the same colors and go to like Stanford. <sighs> was it? Kentucky. Kentucky. Oh, yeah. no. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm starting with these two so, guys. I feel like they could also, well, maybe more so with, with Hartman, kind of creep into the Heisman conversation. They both were pretty good on teams that, I mean, Wake Forest and NC State aren't known for having great quarterbacks. And um, Kentucky, you're replacing Will Levis. So the standards are going to be high there. Even though he wasn't very good last year, uh, everybody knew who he is. And He's a household name, so Leary, I think, is going to step up, and he'll be pretty good for them pretty soon. I think they have a better team around him this year. And then Hartman was really good at Wake Forest, and he'll have a lot better weapons around him and just an overall better team at Notre Dame. So figured I'd start with those two guys. Yeah. Thought, thought uh, Hartman would be easy, but um, – See, this is just going to make me look like I don't have next one, The next one is going to really just put you in the spin cycle. All right. All right. Cade McNamara, Michigan, former Michigan, five-star quarterback. Still oh, in the Big Ten. He's still in the Big Ten. Yeah. Okay, is this a team that's, like, it's currently in the Big Ten. You're not, you're not, like, oh, No, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not okay. messing with you. All right, um, I'm going to go with Wisconsin. Oh. Iowa. Iowa. Hmm. Yep. Iowa might actually score some points this year. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Th- this just makes it look, this makes me look really bad, by the way. They're like, everyone watching it's like, oh my God, this guy knows nothing. But I swear, at least one of them, after you've said it, I've been like, oh yeah, I knew that. that was I'm actually just being a bad co host. I should have split this up and kind of alternated. So if you can uh, think of fun. some off the top of your head to give me, I won't look. The only one that I like that I was prepared for was DJ Uyunglele. Well, well, I'll ask you that one. We'll give you a little layup. Oh, okay. Uh, he went to Oregon State. Go Beavs. There you go. Uh, I'll, give, uh, I'll give you. I'll give you an easy one. Shadur Sanders. Shadur. Oh, okay. Yeah, he went to Colorado. All right. All right. So you're back. Woo-hoo. You're back at 500 right now. I got two. Right. Um. Oh, I did want to real quick though. Uh, shout out DJ Uyunglele getting drafted by the Los Angeles Dodgers in the 20th round of the MLB draft. And I looked it up right before we started to see, you know, if there's even a, a, a chance. The Dodgers president apparently said that he believes that one day he will be in their system. So who knows? And apparently they talked to him last year before he transferred, like after his season with Clemson, about like trying out baseball again. So they must really like him for some reason. Well, he's a he's an LA kid, so yeah. I don't, you know, maybe down the road. People, I mean, same thing about Kyler Murray when he got drafted. I don't. But he got drafted like what number seven or something six? Yeah, or? he got drafted really high, and and there's a big question mark with DJ right now. I think personally, he's going to have a great year at Oregon State. Oregon State won like nine games last year without him. I, I, the Pac-12, I'm pumped about Pac-12 after dark this year. Absolutely pumped about it. 
and I mean, it doesn't take much to get me pumped up about Pac-12 after dark. I mean, I'll sit and I'll watch Arizona versus Arizona State at 2.30 in the morning with quarterbacks that I don't even know who the hell they are. But this year, I think as a conference, it might be the most loaded conference of quarterback. I mean, you've got DJ at Oregon State. You've got Penix at Washington. You've got Knicks at Oregon. You've got Caleb Williams at USC. Um, and that's just off the top of my head. Shadur Sanders at, at Colorado. Yeah. I mean, you've got a lot of exciting quarterbacks. I mean, some of those guys I just listed, I wouldn't be surprised if three or four of them went in the first round or next year's draft, which just sounds crazy but because but, it's the Pac-12. But uh, Pac-12 after dark. Yeah. It's going to be an issue. this year. All right, what else you got? Henry? I'll hit you with a Bama one, a random kind of a – no, I won't Ooh. say random. I know which one you're going to say, actually, I think. You're going to say JoJo Earl? No. Oh, I'll, I'll give you that he one, went to TCU. Okay. That was a weird one. Javion Cohen. Javion Cohen. Bama, interior offensive lineman. Oh, didn't he go to, like, Vanderbilt? Come on, Tyler. What was it? Miami. Uh... Should have known. Should have known there'd be a Miami in there. I mean, I, at least you're 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 getting you're hanging around 500 right now. So yeah, you yeah, know. no. I see. I was thinking. I you know we we took Tyler Steen and we gave back Javion Cohen. So I was, I was thinking that'd be a fair exchange, but I guess not. Travis Hunter. Travis Hunter went from I don't even remember where he was. Colorado. Oh, actually, I just gave you the answer. Jackson State. Oh, yeah, you know, sorry. I okay. completely blanked on the fact that he was the number one cornerback. And it's like <laughs> I had not watched a lot of Jackson State last year. So I kind of forgot about him, even though it was kind of a huge deal that he went there in the first place. That one I would have known if I would have remembered who you're talking about at first. So. I'll give you a couple more ones that are right. challenging. Uh, actually, oh, you might get this one Spencer Sanders. Spencer Sanders. He's went. part of a uh, a nice little trio of quarterbacks at a certain school, and we're not really quite sure who's going to start. Uh, give me a conference. SEC. Spencer Sanders in the SEC. I don't know. Oh, did he go to Arkansas? Who does Arkansas have a quarterback? I don't know, man. Freaking, uh, what's his name? KJ Jefferson. But yeah. I was not a big KJ Jefferson believer. So. Any more guesses for this one? Uh, no. Is it Vanderbilt this time? Old Miss. Okay. Jackson Dart, Spencer Sanders, and Walker Howard. All right. This is just getting more and more brutal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. One more. One more. Let me pick again. I've been so, my brain has just been overloaded with names. You're saying names, and I'm like, who is that? I think, to be fair, I'm absolutely a psycho, and I just follow this stuff religiously. Well, so, like, I follow it all religiously when it happened, but then since it's been such a long time since the off season, like everyone initially transferred. Yeah. Once the season starts up again, I'm, I'm start watching and seeing names and stuff, and then I'll be able to recognize it. But oh, the transfer portal is a is a crapshoot. The only the only reason I know a lot of these players where they went is because I listened to shout out late kick by josh pate 24 7 podcast 
three times a week. I mean, they, they're dropping episodes, so mm-hmm. I'm I try and stay up to date. Obviously, it helps too for for podcasts and and stuff of that nature. But yeah, I'm a psycho. I won't I won't do any more of these. No, hold on. Give, was, give me a couple more. You have a couple more. We can go real quick. Well, give me like two more. I'll see if I can get one. Of them. Do you know who Denver Harris is? Yeah, A and M stayed in the conference. Stayed in the conference, Denver Harris. At a school uh, that, well, no, that would give it away. Okay. I'm trying to think. A school that's hot right now in the conference. A school that's hot right now in the conference. In the SEC. In the SEC. Is it LSU? Yep. Ooh. There you go. They, that, that'll be huge, too, for them. I was going to say a school that's known for yeah, developing cornerbacks, but I thought that would give it away. Right, and Denver Harris is one of the like mass exodus from all the players having like attitude issues or whatever, right? Oh yeah, really great player, but mm-hmm. bad attitude at A and M. I remember he was a huge Bama target a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, ooh. Right, give me one more. I feel like you know this player, Tanner Mordecai. Okay. SMU quarterback. Mm-hmm. Where is did he, he go at? to a Power Five school? Yes. Tanner Mordecai SMU. Okay. I'm a Power next. Five school with a new coach. Power Five school with a new coach. Um, let me Big say, Ten. Okay, Big Ten. I'm trying to think of what Big Ten. There's a couple are. schools that fit fit that. Oh, is it Nebraska? Did he go to Nebraska with? Uh, no. Matt Rule. Oh, other I, one. Other one. Other one. Other one. It was. Uh, I don't remember what you did. Okay, Wisconsin. Just yeah. Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Yeah. All right. I we're just gonna... Pickle, the Cincinnati guy. All right. So I went like 0 for 7. I just made you look bad. I'm sorry. I did not mean to do that. I'm a terrible coach. I swear <laughs> I actually kind of know some things about football, but not, I guess, who transferred where. That was kind of hard. I feel like um, I feel like I'm uh, the Charles Barkley of this podcast. You ever see those where he would always like start the season and have him guess where players went to like what teams? Yeah, and I'll give you the benefit of the doubt too with the transfer portal. So, but um, yeah, we're just we're just gonna kind of. Yeah, I understand how Chuck feels now. <laughs> oh, you can get me back. You'll have plenty of time to get me yeah. back another one of these shows. You can come up with some random thing and, and i'll sit here and i'll take the heat from it you best believe i'll have one next week oh god all right so the last thing we're going to talk about is kind of some coaching hot seats and the potential new hires at schools the two hot seat coaches that i thought were the most made the most sense to me was jimbo obviously at texas a&m signed all those great five-star players last year were horrible um coming off a year where they did beat Alabama. Although they almost beat us last year too, but we don't need to talk about that. How do you feel about Jimbo? Do you think he's actually on the hot seat? Do you think they bounce back? I won't say how do you feel about Jimbo because a lot of people don't like him. How do you feel about Jimbo at A&M as far as job security? I think that he's like been on the hot seat for three or four years now. And so I start to question how much he actually is. But that being said, they brought him in to win a national championship, and they haven't even come close recently. So I do think that his seat's getting a little warm. But the problem is, who do you replace him with? Right? If you're Texas A&M, who, 
do you go out and get that's definitely better than Jimbo Fisher? Or do you think that you just fire him and hope that the next guy is better? Right? I, I do think that he needs to show a little something, especially if they paid him a bunch of money, right? Yeah, his buyout would be like $80 million or some absurd number. So I don't think it would make much sense to just flat out throw him the wolves. And I think this year they'll be better with, with uh, they bring in uh, Bobby Petrino, offensive guru. So I think that'll help them out a lot. I see them having a bounce back here. I don't know how many wins they'll, they'll come away with, but they'll do a lot better than last year, which isn't saying a lot, but. The problem is, like, unless they're in the playoffs or really close to the playoffs, I still think that's kind of a failure of a season for a team that's had, you know, top five recruiting classes all of these last couple of years and nothing to show for it. So, I don't know. I, I do think he needs to start performing a little bit better. Or else, I, I do think that he is on the hot seat. I do think that he should like the team should not be as bad as it was last year for how much talent they have on it. Right. And that's kind of been the theme since he's got there. So. Yeah. I also just realized that for whatever reason on Facebook, I'm just broadcasting for myself. So I was wondering why there weren't Facebook people in here and it's because it was on private. So, well, you know, they can catch the last five or so minutes. Yeah, the last five minutes after we just went for a, a full hour. They but. didn't see. Uh, guys, I'm really good at transfer portal. Like, I know where everyone went. Yep. And so if you have any. So really, you don't have to get me back because I got myself back in a way. Um, we're just, we're going to roll with that. Uh, anyways, if anybody's in here hi welcome we've been going for an hour and i just and i'm an idiot but the next guy on the list we're talking about uh coaches that might be on the hot seat and then we're going to finish up with coaching hires that we we like and the next guy for hot list would be west virginia's neil brown okay so why why do you think he's on the hot seat he just hasn't really i mean west virginia is not a school you're expecting a lot from from a national standpoint mm -hmm. but they have just really really sputtered and they've been pretty competitive the last couple of decades you know before brown was there so i think he's a guy that um the school is expecting a lot more from and if they don't make a jump this year i don't think they'll have any problems letting him go and maybe they'll bring in more of a household name because West Virginia, they used to be a really good program, and they've really fallen off. Kind of reminds me, Virginia Tech's the same way. These schools, even though they're not in, you know, conferences where you expect, you know, championships. I mean, we're for the Big Twelve. We're used to Oklahomas and Texases, and I mean, maybe West Virginia comes and takes the mantle after Oklahoma and um, Texas moved to the SEC. Uh, who knows, but I, I think he's on the hot seat and they need a big season to be able to keep him. Otherwise, he's he's probably gone. Yeah, I mean, he's been there four years now and his best record was six and four. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, not not much from him. So uh, not really wouldn't really be too shocked if he if he got fired. Also, fun fact, just looking up the Liberty Bowl. Apparently
apparently the first game of the Liberty Bowl was in 1959. Penn State beat Alabama 7-0. So there you go. There's some trivia. We are. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where, like you said, they're not going to compete on the national standpoint, but they've had some respectable teams, some respectable players over the years. And, you know, 5-7, and 6-7, 5-7, and 6-4, and four, especially – being, you know, three years removed from a 10-win season, a few eight-win seasons in there, consistently, let me put it this way, the last 20 years, besides 2013, where they went four and eight, all of their worst records have been with Neil Brown as the coach. So yeah. it's kind of when Jim, when the Jimbo conversation got brought up, yes, do you just hope the next guy is better? And I think in this case, the answer is yes, because – it's not like you can't get much worse, right? Exactly. Oh, what do you you win four games instead of five? Darn. But I think that, that if there's no major improvement, you do kind of have to roll the dice for something better. We've been going for a while, so I'm just gonna pick two right here, and right. we'll talk about them. On here, we have Hugh Freeze, Deion Sanders, Matt Rule, Trent Dilfer. Obviously, Hugh Freeze is at Auburn now. Deion's at Colorado, and Rule's at Nebraska. And then Dilfer is at uh, UAB. The two I want to pick before we uh, cut the show short is uh, Hugh Freeze at Auburn and then Matt Rule at Nebraska. I think Hugh Freeze is a great hire for Auburn. I didn't really understand the Harson hire. It was a bit of head scratcher. And I think Hugh Freeze is a guy that they're going to kind of lean into. And I can see the program, the fans, the boosters, everybody loving him. And uh, he did some great things at Liberty, and I think he's – He's had, I mean, he has had Alabama's number in the past, so I think that's a good hire from them. And I don't want Auburn to be a horrible team. Obviously, I want Alabama to beat them, but I think the better the conference is, and I've said this, you can go back and find old clips. The stronger the conference is as a whole, the more benefits Alabama. Uh, so I like that hire for them. And then Matt Rule at Nebraska was a guy that turned the Baylor program around in two years, went from like two wins to I think 10, which is absurd. Uh, obviously went on the NFL, didn't have a lot of success with the Panthers, which is something we see a lot with these college guys jump in the pros. He's now back at Nebraska. And uh, we were talking about earlier, Blue Blood historic programs that were used to being, you know, top tier. I think he'll turn around that program pretty fast and, and start uh, pumping some talent back into into Lincoln. Yeah, and I actually was a huge fan of the Matt Rule hire. I think that I thought he would be a little bit better in the pros than he was. But some people are just cut out to be college coaches because the pros is such a crapshoot, right? And it's it's nothing. It's not saying that he's a bad coach or, or anything like that either. And it's not even a direct one to one, where oh, if you're a good college coach, you can be a good and like NFL coach. It's two completely different styles, right? You look at Nick Saban, and I think his team was like 500 the one year he coached for the Dolphins, and then when. Uh, Went back to Alabama is now the best coach of all time. So I do think that Matt Rule has kind of shown that his style fits college a lot better, and I'm excited to see. I know they also – didn't they get a big-name quarterback commit right, right when he took over? Uh, Jeff Sims. Yeah, so I'm from a quarterback who's a good quarterback. Yeah, I'm excited that Nebraska theoretically is going to be better – and Auburn scares me because I think he freezes a more competent hire than even at the time I didn't really get the Brian Harson hire. 
which is he was at what Boise State before I think yeah it's just not <laughs> not an amazing program anyway but I think Hugh Freeze is going to do some solid stuff I will say real quick Deion Sanders I'm not a huge believer uh in I could be completely wrong but I think that at Jackson State he didn't have to coach super well because the, he was able to pull he's a great recruiter great personality great mentor for these kids right don't want to take any of that away from him but i think that at jackson state he was able to pull in such big talent by being such a good recruiter and you can't really out talent your opponents yeah. in the pac 12 like you could at jackson state so i think that he could end up being a really good coach but i do think there's going to be some growing pains for you I think that's all I got. We just went for an hour. Obviously, we got some kinks to work out for the show. Definitely not ideal that I <laughs> just going to myself on Facebook and not going to my friends or being shareable. So I'll take the blame for that. Y'all miss Tyler. Just go absolutely crazy on the yeah it was like uh that scene from the hangover with him seeing the numbers except I was seeing players in the transfer portal. Oh, yeah. But um that's all for tonight. Thank you, anybody who tuned in. Uh, remember to like and subscribe us on YouTube at uh, Super Bowl Sports. And also on TikTok, too. I'm going to be posting clips from, from the show and trying to kind of generate content uh, in as many ways as possible. Uh, so, Tyler, you have anything to add before we call it a night? No, nah, man. I'm glad, I was glad to be back. Happy to do it. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next week, I guess. Yeah, and I think this show has has a lot of, a lot of potential with guests and I already have some somebody who's pretty big wanting to uh, hop on and join us. So Tyler has and I have some things to discuss. But uh, everyone have a great rest of your week and hang in there. It's almost the weekend. Uh, have a good night. <laughs>